Is it piece of chain? Or Tao Te Ching? It's the Arrow Wong podcast series. The number one Apple business and number four entrepreneurship podcast. Speaking from Hong Kong. Tim Tran is the product designer at HSBC. He's always the person I get to whenever I have questions to ask regarding the topic of UX since I'm working in the photo making space. He has a UX wannabe newsletter and a UX wannabe podcast, yes, in the same name, for the people to learn how to get into UX and grow their design career. Also, he's managing local US community at Hong Kong with 1,000 plus members, which he co-founded. And I will include all of this information in so notes for your easy reference. In a nutshell, Tim is a US professional and a design mentor. If you are a US professional or an aspiring US designer, it's the episode for you. For now, let's head over to the conversation with Tim Chen. Hey, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hey, Aero. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. We have been known for uh, each other for over five years already, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a long time. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, yeah, for whatever US topic, you are always the first people that comes to my mind because um, I would like to say, I think you are the first gateway in my life to get into the US knowledge at the time that when I want to learn about port management and uh, I still remember remember that I come to your hey team <laughs> you are a US professional can you teach me about something US I'm absolutely I have absolutely no knowledge about it and then you gave me something like career foundry and then some article hey read this and that watch this and that so that you are uh, you can, this is how you learn, and that's how I know you ex- at the beginning. So, uh, maybe to kick off this session, to set the scene, how do you become the product design lead at, uh, of HSBC, HSBC? Can you share with us how you got to where you are today, uh, starting all the way back from your first job as a marketing officer? Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So, I start off. I start off in a company called um, Hutchison, uh, mm. which is free Hong Kong, as a market officer where I work as a uh, operational uh, market mm. of- officer. So basically what I do there was kind of work with, when you launch a marketing campaign, there's a lot of uh, behind the scene, of, behind the scene things you need to do. You need to communicate with different parties. Uh, some websites needs to update, some brochure needs to be print. So uh, the operation team organize all this, like you, you work on a workflow. Uh, it's kind of like a flow chart about like this, need to talk to who, blah, 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 blah. And that was my first job. And during that time, it was a time smartphone become, became popular. So I don't know why I was put on a project for the company, they're trying to launch their own mobile app. Uh, basically, the app allows you to check your mobile phone uh, usage, uh, how much time you'll be on the phone, uh, the your bill, etc. Yeah, and I was on that project. Um, so when I was on that project, basically, they did figure out like what goes in the app, right? And I don't know why, I was just start like drawing boxes and narrows and things like that. And it was my first job, I wanted to do a good job. So 
I went online and I typed like what makes an app good. <laughs> and then this term called like user experience pops up. And I was like reading all of it. I was like, well, that's kind of what I do, you know, like draw the box and arrows, like figure out like how people use that thing. Like, does it make sense? What if they want to go back, etc. Um, so then I start look 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 into it, and then I came across this course called uh, General Assembly mm. about user experience. So I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. So I took the course, um, put in what I learned into the project that I did, uh, and it worked quite well. Then you know, I also learned that like user experience is actually a title, so like you could be a UX designer. And I was like, hmm, it's quite like what I do, but like in this company, it's just one of the project. Like when I finish this project, I have to go back to do whatever I was hired to do. So I was like, maybe I should try to pursue this, this path. Um, mm. Yeah, so I did like made a portfolio and start to look for jobs. Um, what exactly excites you, uh, the emotional, emotions that you get from this kind of experience what except yeah what excites you i think i think it was just kind of very a lot of things just kind of logical um, but what surprised me is that a lot of logical things when you put on the interface or digital interface a lot of things like people just seems to forget seems to, seems to forget like how to make it easy for people to use and mm. Yeah, I guess the logical side of UX really um, attracts me. Um, and to be honest, I was kind of more driven to towards frustration more than excitement because in my life, I just don't like things that is hard to use. <laughs> um, so they'd be like, they'd be like um, Uber's founder, like they don't start a company because they love um, like logistics. They just hate not having to able to get on a cab. So mm. that's kind of my story. Yeah. Um, so where was I? So yeah, I did that, uh, found a job in a startup, worked my way up there from like junior to senior. And then, yeah. and then at that time I was like, there wasn't a lot of it, like resources in Hong Kong about UX. So mm -hmm. mostly I just read it myself from everywhere and it kind of have this thing in my mind and say like, man, it'd be great if there is some sort of like thought leaders, like Chinese or Cantonese thought leaders that could talk about design. Um, yeah, but that, that it just wasn't that kind of person exists. So I didn't do much about it. I just put that in the back of my mind. Um, mm. And yes, yeah, so I was there, startup like three years, I think. Then I was, I was like, mm, it's time to move on. So went to Accenture uh, for short duration. Um, I think agency life or consultancy life wasn't suitable for me because uh, it's very demanding. So I started looking for jobs. Then I found HSBC. Uh, so it's actually quite interesting because like um, the person that reached out to me say, oh, your project, your product will work be used by you know, millions of people. I was like, okay, yeah, let's give you a shot. Um, in the beginning, I was kind of worried. I'm worried like the design, like bang, like maybe they don't get what design is and it'll be really boring, things like that. Um, is that true? It's not, 
no, oh, Samsung okay. is not. Like they are very uh, sophisticated, sophisticated design team, and they know what they're doing. Good to um, know. Yeah. So yeah. So got into uh, HSBC. Um, the thing I really like about HSBC is uh, is that there's a lot of smart people that I could learn from, like from mm. um, stakeholder management, from um, design system thinking, uh, from like design architecture, how to scale like one product, not just in Hong Kong, think about how to design like globally and adopt a different market. Uh, that really gets me to, you know, challenge myself to work even harder because I kind of felt like I was the dumbest person in the room at that time. Um, yeah, so yeah, work, work hard, think about how to add more value. Then after that, I become UX manager and then uh, product design lead. And here I am, uh, still hanging there. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Uh, anything that you, you are doing at HSBC? Because basically, uh, I think uh, all of my personal finance uh, are handled by HSBC. I'm a diehard fan of HSBC for over maybe two decades or even the decades. So basically, uh, I, if wherever it's possible, I just use HSBC. So I'm wondering, uh, is there any processes in terms of maybe product management or decide that uh, as a product design lead, you are working at uh, HSBC that um, you can share with us a little bit. How do you decide a product like PayMe? Basically, I'm using it on a, if not a daily basis, but at least weekly basis now. How can you decide product like that? Maybe that's not the product you're working for, but uh, the design process behind how you come up with a product like that. Can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, so you're right. I don't actually work on a pay pay me a product. I work on mostly focus on uh, wealth uh, products right now. I previously also worked on some like tablet uh, product that used by uh, staff. Um, <laughs> the process is kind of quite similar to a lot of like company doing design out there. So you start with an idea. Uh, sometimes like product manager came over us saying like they want to explore this uh, direction. And then you, we do some prototype. Uh, we will invite some people to do some usability testing or concept testing. Um, mm. After that, when we're confident with what we're doing, uh, we you know put on more final touch, some final UI using a design system toolkit, then basically that's it. So yeah, testing and it works, mm. use the final design, uh, ship it and hope for the best. <laughs> how how iterative of that process? Uh, what I mean by that is something like, okay, you run on the prototype, um, uh, you decide it, uh, you test it with some usability testing, but is this still a prototype? And then uh, once you sign off the prototype, do you just hand over to the uh, technical team? Do uh, maybe, do they have any feedback and go back to the design process and back and forth, those kind of things? Does that uh, happen so often or how iterative is it? So usually we, 
uh, test as much as possible during the uh, prototypes uh, state. So I think one of the benefit, one of the benefit we have about using a reusable component library is that a lot of the things that we use has already already been tested uh, previously either by someone from the other team. So we don't actually have to test you know everything, um, and a lot of things because it worked previously, we're using the same code. So it's going to work uh, this time as well. So that mm. reduce our testing time uh, mm. and the margin of error. So back to your question, um, you know, after we test it, we spend most of our time uh, doing the iterative process to end testing. But after you do the testing and refine it, uh, we will just ship it to, to production uh, with the developers. Got it. Uh, yeah, this makes, makes sense. Um, yeah. To carry on on your design work, uh, I would like to know what is IXDA because I noticed that you are a design mentor there. Can you talk first talk about what is IXDA? Uh, sure. So IXDA is an international uh, design association. Uh, start I think originate in the US. Uh, they have a chapter in Hong Kong called IXD Hong Kong, which is ran by uh, a lot of designers. And uh, yeah, I was part of the, used to be part of the organization team. And yeah, I, I currently still, no, I just, yeah, I used to be a mentor there to help uh, mentor the designers. So um, it's, it's up to different uh, uh, mentors. So all the mentors volunteer their time to do mentorship there. And it's up to them mm -hmm. to decide like what kind of mentorship they're providing. So the kind of mentorship I was providing is more on uh, career, career uh, coaching. So whether they, they want oh. to find a UX job or they have a UX job and they want to climb the ladder to become a senior designer. So that's what I focus on. Uh, some other mentor, mm -hmm. they, maybe they focus on like the UX skills. Uh, I used to do that, but uh, now I kind of gravitate towards the management aspect of it. I feel like this is how I could add the most value to uh, to my mentees. Ah, got it. So you were like uh, the career counselor in university that uh, is still to come to you. Hey, I'm gonna be a graduate in the next semester. What can I do to land my first job? Things like that. Um. Not really. Uh, I focus on people that knows what they want first. Uh, so I say they already <laughs> took a UX course and yeah, they finished, they actually complete the UX course and then maybe they have a portfolio and you know, some of them want to find a job in, in a bank or some want to find a job in a startup. Then they came to me because I used to work in both areas. So like, mm. oh, what should I say in interview? How should my portfolio look like? Yeah, 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 like that. Um, yeah. Got it. So some people they know what they or they already want, and then to um, fine tune or polish their maybe resume or portfolio. That kind of cool. Okay. Uh, since this episode is from you, is want to be to you is professional. So I would like to ask you again about some maybe for you is some basic UX knowledge or maybe some even 
basic design knowledge. I would like to know how do you define UX design compared to other types of design? For example, graphic design, UI design, or even physical product design, et cetera. How do you define UX design? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of definition of like what the difference between UX, UI, and graphic is. And my personal definition of what good user experience is, it's like, it's like aircon. So good UX is invisible. So like aircon, if the aircon has done its good job, you shouldn't notice its presence. So when you notice its presence, usually it's too cold, too hot, or too noisy. Same goes with uh, good UX. So if an app is well-designed, you won't even know something, someone has done hard work to make it work that way. Um, and yeah, so that's user experience. Uh, graphic UI design is more about like eye-catching, more eye-pleasing. Uh, so it's kind of, I would say it's kind of a little bit the opposite, like good graphic catches people's attention Good mm. UX tries to remain invisible. So it will be like another example I would like would be a good waiter or a butler. Like when you want that, when you want them, they will be there, but they won't get in your face to like prevent you enjoying a good meal. But they're always there when you need them. Oh, I love that a lot. Can you share with us one more example that maybe it's important that you like in terms of UX design? that exists in our environment, but you just don't, don't notice it, it exists? Mm, I think, I mean, one example I would give is the Google search bar. So the Google search bar actually does a lot of things that people don't know. First of all, it could, it could do search before mm. it, you can only type an address. Uh, mm -hmm. So now you can search there and you can also type in a calculator, like you can just do basic uh, plus or minus arithmetic there. So it's just there, but you don't know, you don't even know it exists. <laughs> you don't even know, you don't even know you don't have to type in the search bar anymore. You can just type it in the address bar to search. So it's there, it's invisible. You don't know they made that change. You don't even remember when they made that change, but it just works. And I uh, quite enjoy quite enjoy like using using Google Chrome to do a lot of my uh, basic tasks like search and calculation. That's very good. I I'm a fan of Google products. I almost take it for granted uh, when I'm using it. So I don't. If you don't talk about it, I <laughs> uh, I don't think it's even a some invisible things to me, but yeah, but it just comes up to my mind. Just a very great <laughs> example. <laughs> so, okay, I would like to ask you also about your podcast. You always want to be, because uh, yeah, you also start a podcast and also there's a USP, you always want to be a USP. What are they? Yeah, so uh, USP is started by um, by a girl named Hannah and a guy named uh, Luke. So they create a, um, a podcast in Cantonese. They interview like different uh, designers, uh, senior designers from, from Hong Kong about uh, uh, 
generally about uh, design and, and user experience. Um, mm. And they also started a, a Telegram group called QXPair, and mm. I joined I joined there a while back ago, and now became the uh, admin there to help uh, run the community. Um, so yeah, so that's QXPair. It's mostly mm. the people, the audience is uh, Cantonese-speaking people, uh, mm. which I would touch based on that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, moving on to like UX wannabe is. So originally I was, I wanted, if you, if you remember, I wanted to do something about like for for Hong Kong about like promoting like user experience. Uh, for sure, I was, I was thinking. I promised to be your guinea pig to yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's that, that's when I come to you. Hey, I want to learn US, and then you said, yeah, I want to do something about uh to create a US course something like that, and then yeah, uh, I was like, cool, just use it as guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, so my 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 grand vision for for Hong Kong, not just for UX wannabe, is that we will one day, yeah. one day Hong Kong UX maturity will be the same level as the United States. United States. That's my vision. So and in other words, it means that you think, uh, no, that's your, uh, your sharing is uh, the level of user experience uh, uh, in terms of profession is uh, in Hong Kong uh, is uh, inferior than the US, uh, inferior than the United States. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of like company UX maturity, like number of designers, we're still lacking a lot behind uh, compared to United States. So the plan, the, the kind of granular strategy I had was that uh, create more content, uh, create more content to help people get into UX. Uh, and when those people become more knowledgeable, equip them with more knowledge to, you know, sell what you exist to the organization on manage upwards. That way you could create more opportunity coming from company to hire more UX designers. Uh, so it's kind of like a, uh, a good cycle to continue. And it all starts with creating more content uh, for mm. the people locally here. So to create, uh, so the vision is to create more content to nurture the local Hong Kong U.S. talent to achieve to the level that they can really take up a U.S. job. That is the visa. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And to also create a community. Um, so by creating content, kind of bring people together, mm. kind of make people having more conversations and slowly uh, creating a more supportive network so that people can uh, help each other. Um, and yeah, mm. that's kind of a long-term goal. I know I can't do it on my own, but <laughs> yeah, it is start. It start somewhere, right? So, <laughs> no worries. I, I I've seen you. You are quite active in the Hong Kong US community, and then uh, I believe that you've already maybe apprenticeship something like that. You coach some people, and uh, or how to craft a career path in UX uh, with the assumption that they know, uh, they already know what they want <laughs> at the first place, not just some random first graduate. Uh, so 
uh, if uh, so, even though the Hong Kong UX scene is a little bit inferior than the United States, uh, but if I come to you and say, "Hey, Kim, how I want to become a UX designer, but I don't have a any design background. How can I become one in Hong Kong?" Yeah, um, I think the first question I have, I think no, first first advice I have is to like watch YouTube and search online because um, a lot of people already talk about that topic. <laughs> so mm. only after that, so uh, so I think I think I, I I kind of made this point earlier. It's like I can't help people that don't know what they want, or the other point I didn't make was like a kind of. Lazy, like I can't help you if you don't do your own homework. <laughs> but okay, so assuming you did that, like how 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 would how would you become a UX designer with no background? Um, the without repeating like what other people have said a lot of times, the the formula is actually quite simple. Um, mm. Learn learn that skill, uh, build mm. a portfolio, and try to convince companies that you can do. A, mm. You can do the job of a designer. That's that's pretty much it. There's no any magical bullets. Um, I think having a design background mm. or, or you often helps, but if you don't have it, it doesn't really matter because in our field, we care more about the work that you have done than your um, official background, uh, your academic mm. background. Yeah. Got it. So basically. Don't think about it as a UX dedicated career problem. It is just a career problem. Learn skill and convince the company to hire Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's the same thing for, I, I think you made a very good point. It's really not a UX problem. So if you ask like, I don't like coders, like programmers, oh, I don't have a programmer background. Can I be a programmer? Like. I mean, the answer would be yeah. If like, you know how to code, right? Or I don't know about marketing. I don't have marketing background. Can I become a marketing manager? Of course, like if you can convince people you can do marketing, it's mm. not a UX specific problem. It's a uh, knowledge acquired. It's a problem of acquiring acquiring the knowledge and convincing hiring managers that you can do the job, but and it's and it's universal. Mm. Got so back to the uh, advices you you just gave to the US wannabe. So basically, two simple process. Step one, learn the skill, and step two, convince the company to hire you. And in terms of step one, you just mentioned something like go to YouTube, search for it. Uh, is there any good resources or good people? And then. Uh, maybe give us some keywords that I can look up to so that I can have a uh, leg up that I can save some time in uh, cut full all the laws and get to the point. Is there yeah, some yeah. resources like that? Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of websites that already did a lot of curation. But if you ask me like what website to read, what books to read, uh, I think if you read all News and Norman's article about UX, like read all mm -hmm. those thousands. You want that who, who have written the design of everything, right? Yeah, that, that design of mm -hmm. everything, Don't mm -hmm. Make Me Think by 
forgot the guy's name. And mm. also like Newton Norman is kind of the authority in UX. Uh, they have like, I think a thousand articles online. Like when mm. I first got into UX, I read every single one of them. So mm. if you read all of it, like you shouldn't have any problem on basic UX knowledge. So yeah. yeah. Got it, beautiful. The reason why I'll ask you this question is I, I also see if there's an update after I got in touch with you uh, five or six years ago. What is the difference between the answer uh, back then and now? So there's an update. That's great. Thank you. There, there, there's, there's no really, there's no really like new thing, I think. It's, uh. I think those books and resources are timeless. Like the principle is mm. timeless. <laughs> Yeah, mm, I absolutely agree. Uh, and once you uh, embrace that those principles, uh, you like the door handle. I learned from the uh, book, the design of every every day thing. I've forgotten the name, and then I just look at the world in a whole, in a totally different way because I have a. <laughs> Yeah, I become a layman, maybe a beginner design mindset, and it changed my worldview in a uh, very big way. So, okay, let's move on to the next question because there are some uh, bootcamp that bootcamp becomes a trend, right? Bootcamp basically it exists in the coding world, in the design world, and also design bootcamp. So, uh, if people go into the disciple camp, how do they prepare for the real UX job after this disciple camp? Can you talk about that? Um, you mean after they finish bootcamp, how do they prepare for the real job? Yeah, or maybe uh, in the middle of the bootcamp or uh, and especially after the bootcamp. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I, think I, I think I wrote an article about that a while back to go, but yeah, I think I would let me try if I remember those points in my head right now. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing to prepare is yourself mentally be prepared because inevitably after you finish a bootcamp, you can't find a job in the first few weeks or perhaps month, and you're gonna feel frustrated, right? Which is normal. Um, and it's okay to feel frustrated. It's, 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 it's human nature. But what I would like people to think about is test everything. So if you apply for a company yep. and they don't, they don't hear back from them, if you just blindly just accept that, like you, you will never know what went wrong. Like, is it because of your qualification? Is it because your portfolio was not good or what, what is it? You, you never know. And the thinking should be like, be more proactive. So maybe ask someone to look at your portfolio or if, if you have confidence that a company would, would be interested in you, just try to reach out to those people on LinkedIn and see like, oh, or, or ask for the hiring manager. Like, is there a reason, you know, if not, I'm not invited. And if you do get invited for interview, at least you have one thing that's sorted, right? Okay, maybe at least I know my portfolio is good enough. And yep. they feel like, uh, even though I don't have experience, I'm worth the interview. 
then mm. if you went for interview and you didn't get a job, then then you can start thinking about maybe my interview technique is bad, or maybe I have some like annoying habits, like some flickering or like whatever, right? That annoys people. Mm. Um, you know, just do it step by step, and I think eventually, giving the nature of Hong Kong right now about mm. still a lot of UX jobs out there. Eventually, you'll find one, but you just need to have more faith and. Final point I want to make is to be more, more proactive in building your network. So, uh, sorry. Yeah. So, I think in a bootcamp is a good time to start building your network because well, you have more time, right? So. Um, start connect connecting to people in the UX community. Uh, show them that you're interested, that you're serious, that you have done your homework. Um, actually, a lot of people in the community is very eager to help. Uh, for people mm. that shows that you know they are worthy of helping. Mm. And yeah, who knows? Like maybe you can find a job there. Uh, it's very small community in very small market so start building a network is important got it so after i landed the first job as a u.s designer how's the career look like for a u.s designer is there one path or multiple path any milestone things like that because they're like if uh, i have seen some people move from a US designer or designer and becoming a product manager. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, can you talk about the career path for a US designer in general? Yeah, I think there is no one path that fits all people. If you think about like pure the pure design perspective, eventually, you know, start from junior designers, then senior designers, then like lead designer or and head of head of design. Maybe if a company is big enough, you have like chief experience officer, something like that. That's kind of the traditional design path. But there is also other similar role that exists, right? That you say like some people. They kind of want to become like product manager. Uh, that happened as well, and in some cases, uh, some some people they um, are interested in like service design or um, or in general like customer experience. So you could be like a customer experience manager that's more looking after the holistic experience, not just focusing on the 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 UX or UI aspect of the digital screen design. Um, yeah, I think there's multiple paths towards it. So really depends on what you like and what suits you eventually. Mm. So, so it's like for a programmer, right? Uh, if I was a junior programmer and then I move on to become a system analyst and then maybe technical lead or some sort of uh, more technical role, and or I can choose. I can choose a 
different career paths, uh, say like a more business oriented, uh, become a either a product manager or customer success manager, and or for some people maybe they even move into into some sales role like uh, technical lead. So uh, in terms of what you just mentioned, mm, what to prepare if I want to move laterally in the design horizon. Uh, so I just make my mind and then say like, uh, okay, I would like to stick with the design path to with a career goal to become a chief experience officer. So I just uh, hone my craft uh, in terms of UX design, that's it. Or, or if I, or in other case, I want to become like um, maybe product manager so that I, uh, how, how do I choose between them? So just based on what I like, uh, maybe sometimes I don't even know what I like because I, I haven't been there. I don't know what I don't know. Is there any advice would you give to people? How do they choose a certain path based on what they like? What action steps uh, should I use? Say like, uh, maybe I can touch base with the senior people in the industry or within the company, things like that. Do you have any advice? Yeah, so I haven't done it myself. So my whole career has been a designer, but I've seen other people done it. Uh, people become product managers. So maybe I could share that perspective. So let's say you are a designer, UX designer, and then you want to become a product manager um, because you see what the product manager in your team is doing and you're kind of interested. Um, and so just, just to set a context, I don't, I don't recommend people that go into a field that they know nothing about. That's kind of a little bit, a bit, I would say it's like too hard, a bit like, it's like, oh. oh yeah, I need to be like, I don't know, like an athlete tomorrow because I see, you know, Hong Kong getting medals, etc. Right? That's kind of just random, but like, I assume the people that want to go lateral, like they work with those people, like let's say I design, I'm a designer, I work with product manager and I kind of mm. enjoy, interest, interested in what they do. Uh, mm. So that's the context. So in that case, uh, I think one of the people that did it was like, they try to do what the product managers do. So if, if the product manager in your team, let's say they're creating a strategy deck or things like that, then in your free time, just start to think about like, if I were a project product manager, how would I come up with an argument for a strategy? Mm. How would I convince my boss? And you know, just, just do it in your free time. And mm. you know, ask, maybe ask the product manager in your team and say, hey, I, I see what you did there. It's quite interesting. I have some mm. thoughts of my own. Like, do you think this makes sense? Does it think, do you think like this uh, proposition will help you to sell to your boss better? Things like that. And kind of gradually, um, you start to acquire that kind of skills. The, take a step back if you want to be more strategic about it. My recommendation would be first understand what the other role, let's say what a product manager needs and kind of mm. have a list, right? This is what is needed for a product manager. This is where I am. This is the gap 
this is the kind of skills I need to require. Mm. And you come up with a plan, like, I don't know, three to six months to a year about like, okay, I'm going to acquire these skills, this skill, this skill, this skill, this skill. And once you have done that, you essentially have everything that a product manager would need. Then it will make you easier to either transfer internally or even transfer externally if that's what you wish. And I think that's what uh, a product manager that I knew, uh, a designer that I knew that become that became a product manager did, right? Uh, it's just mm. kind of a kind of uh, organic process. Got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, to wrap up this session, uh, first of all, I, I, I want to say thank you for all of the uh, UX-related advices. But to wrap up this session, I want to ask you some fun facts about yourself. Because last time you showed you some origami. Uh, I believe this is a Japanese word, right? I'm not sure. But uh, can you tell us a little bit what the origami is? And because I, I've seen your IG channel, Team Chen underscore origami. Uh, yeah, and they are so beautiful. I, I, I'm just, oftentimes I, because I'm not a native design people, uh, but I like to uh, admire, look up to some beautiful design. Does origami originate from Japan? Uh, because I've seen the origami in your IG channel are designed by a bunch of Japanese origami artists. Yeah, maybe start with that. Yeah. Sorry, what was the question? Uh, the origami. Uh, does origami originate from Japan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, origami is my little uh, dirty little secret. Uh, it's my guilty pleasure. Uh, <laughs> you make so, it yeah, public. Your IG channel yeah. now. Yeah. So origami is originally um, it's a Japanese word. It means mm. the uh, fold, folding paper, mm. and it is popularized by uh, by Japanese mm. and. Yeah, I've been doing that since I was a since I was a kid. Can't remember how how long ago that was. Um, yeah, never never stopped since then. <laughs> then oh. like, yeah, and then and then also did some of the uh, stuff to design my own uh, origami. So in the beginning, you start to follow other people's design. Then as you kind of understand a little bit more, then yeah, start mm. to explore. Your own design, yeah. Oh, oh, it surprised me. I think it is something that you pick up uh, along the way, maybe in your adulthood. I, I, I never thought about it. You started as a kid. But what triggered you to um, actually open up an IG channel about it? Mm. I guess I, I didn't actually start a origami IG. I just have my own IG and then I start to post more origami things on it. Then I just delete everything that is not relevant to origami and just change the name to origami channel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so it is totally something random. <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Is there anything interesting about origami? Because uh, 
I have very little knowledge of Shivanamrita, but the origami I like uh, is the origami from <laughs> Prison Break and Money Heist. Uh, because I always seen Michael Scofield, whenever he's trying to deliver a message to Sarah in Prison Break, <laughs> that's how he fall in origami into the uh, uh, water tunnel and uh, <laughs> sneak it out and deliver some sort of message. And in the Money Heist, which is, I believe is, it is a spring uh, Netflix show, which I really like. And then I see the professor in there uh, and always follow some origami. That's my knowledge about it. And I like it. So it's, uh, yeah, to whoever this session, I would like to know, is there any more interesting facts about origami that our audiences can know more about? Um. I think, I think origami design is quite similar to UX design in the sense that the, the perfect solution is always there. You just need to find it. You just need to figure it out. So origami is about arranging the paper in a way that into a recognizable like object or animal right mm. same goes for and, and, then, and there's like an optimal way to fold certain things and the same for like designing interface like there's a certain way of how mm. how people will use a product and it's up to you to find it and once you've discovered that you will kind of feel like that oh why didn't anybody has discovered this earlier it is the only way it's the most useful way uh, to do certain things. So an example I would give is like the interaction pat pattern pull down to refresh a web page. Mm. So you can see that pattern is used everywhere now, like in Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, pull down to refresh. I don't see any app that doesn't use it right now, but some guy somewhere sometime invented that, right? It didn't just happen. But mm. once someone came up with that, it, you, you feel like this is the only way, this is the best way. Uh, I still remember a time before that, uh, that pattern was invented, you need to have a physical refresh button somewhere on the interface yeah. uh, because you don't know how to refresh it. But yeah, some, some smart person invented that and now it becomes the norm. Um, mm. And similar to uh, putting back, tying back to origami is that once, once someone invented like a, a, an origami pattern, let's say the, the origami bird, like mm. if, if there's no other way to, to fold a bird, it's just like you do that and that's a bird, right? That's the optimal solution for that kind of design. Yeah. It's making more sense to me now because for all the origami that I've seen in your IG channel, uh, I would like to say they're not uh, similar in a certain way, but obviously they do. And of course they're beautiful. That's great. Uh, so thank you so much, Tim. Uh, to wrap up this episode, I would like to say maybe do your UX design in an origami, in an origami way to come up with a some sort of best practices and then follow the best practices or pattern and you will have what you want.
maybe something like that. I'm just <laughs> totally making fans up. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much again. Uh, it's a very enjoyable conversation with you. Thank you, Ariel. Enjoyed it as well. Have a great night. Yep. So for the audiences, until next time. <laughs>